In the sermon series through this gospel, written especially to you and I, the gospel to the non-Jewish people, Gentiles. The gospel is short and sweet, full of action to get our attention, to hold our attention. Mark chapter 1, we'll be looking at verse 16 to 20. The title of the message is Fishers of Men. Now, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus called out to them and said, Come you after me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And straightway, immediately, they forsook their nets and followed the master. When he had gone a little further, Jesus saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the ship indeed, their nets. And straightway Jesus called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went to follow Jesus. Somebody has said that all of us are going to get at least one call from Jesus in our lifetime. At least one time, our telephone is going to ring spiritually speaking. And Jesus is going to speak to us. That call will simply be this. Come and follow me. And if we answer yes to that call of salvation, we will get a second call. A second call will follow the call of salvation if we say yes. And that's once again is a call from Jesus. That call will be come after me. It's a call of souls. Most of us here this morning have answered the call of salvation. We are born again. We have placed our faith in Christ. We've repented of our sins. Because we're heaven born, we're going to be heaven bound. But I dare say many of us, although our phone has been ringing, the call of soul winning has not been picked up in it. In our verses, the Lord Jesus is building some fishers of men. He calls upon two groups of brothers. He calls them to leave their vocation of catching fish. Fish to go into the ministry to catch men. Now we know their names because the Bible tells us. Think about these four for just a moment. Do you think you could use them if you needed somebody. First of all, there was Peter. Peter had a problem, and it was a big problem. He had a problem with his foot and mouth. You have that problem? Peter had a way of just blurting out anything and everything. He was very 
arrogant at times, very angry at times. He was a person that was very hard-spoken, outspoken. His brother was Andrew, who was just entirely different. It's hard to believe that two brothers could come out of the same mother, have the same father, be opposites. But they were. Andrew was very soft-spoken. He was a mild-mannered man. He was polite. And Jesus says, come and follow after me. He had already called them to salvation. He's now calling them to soul To leave their fishing for fish become fish for men. And then he goes a little further and he runs into two more brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. And they didn't get that nickname for nothing. James and John, in the beginning, were very angry, volatile men too. The kind that would slap you upside the head. You looked at them twice. Difficult to restrain their emotions. Jesus says to them, leave what you're doing. Leave fishing for fish. Follow me. Let's go fishing again. He calls Peter, Andrew, James, and John to quit being silent supporters to become verbal proclaimers. That's what our story is about. The call of Jesus upon the life of those that he is saved. And take that salvation message to other things. What does it mean to become fishers of him? It simply means to share the gospel. What is the gospel? Talked a little bit last week about that, but basically the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died for our sins, paid for them in full. He was buried for our sins, and our sins could be forgiven and forgotten forever. Amen. And then he arose again from the grave to give us a new life. That's the gospel. Not just a new life down here, but a new life one day up there to sing about it. And so to be a fisher of men simply means to share the gospel with people with the hope of bringing them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now Jesus uses stories, he uses analogies, he uses similes, he uses metaphors sometimes help us better understand what he's trying to teach. So I want, I want you to picture in your mind right now a fisherman. Okay? I'm not going to tell you what the fisherman should look like. You know what a fisherman looks like. Just picture in your mind right now a fisherman. And then I want you to imagine that that fisherman got it, got it in your mind, shake your hand, is holding in his hand a rod and reel. A Zepco rod and reel. And he's holding a rod and reel in his hand. Alright, got you there? Alright, take the picture now. Got a fisherman holding a rod and reel in his hand. And now he's looking into a body of water that's in front of him. Okay? 
Let's just call it a pond. A big pond is in front of him. The fisherman, rod and reel, looking into the pond. And as he looks closely, he sees there is fish in that pond. Some big, some little. Some attractive, some not so attractive. But he sees the fish, and there's plenty of them in that pond. Now, you got that? Now, let me tell you what Jesus is saying. The fishermen is you and I. We have been called of the Lord to be fishermen. You say, I didn't get the call because you didn't answer the phone. We're the fishermen. Those who claim the name of Jesus are the fishermen. The rod and reel is the gospel of Jesus Christ that we just talked about. It's the good news, the message of his death, burial, and resurrection. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The pond is the waters of our world. Waters that are deep and dark and depraved and demonic and destructive and deadly and damning. What's that And the fish are the people of this world without the There's plenty of them. And they're just swimming their lives away. Most of them not knowing what awaits them. They stay in that world. And to that, Jesus calls us to be fishing. A survey was done of 10,000 people who had given their life to Jesus. 10,000 people who had been pulled out of the waters of destruction and death and put on the safety of the firm ground of our Lord and Savior and they were asked the question. These are 10,000 people who got saved. And they were asked the question, how did you get saved? Who or what was primarily responsible for you coming to know the Lord? Are you ready? 79%, four out of five, said that they were saved they gave their life to Jesus. They're now followers of the Master because somebody, not somebody, somebody took the time to share the gospel with them and bring them to Jesus. And that statistic is borne out over and over and over again, whatever study you might look at. We like to think that through revivals and crusades, through the preaching of men like Dr. Billy Graham or others of that kind through the years, that that's how most people get saved. No, they don't. People don't normally get saved in tens and hundreds and thousands. They get saved one at a time. Not because some evangelist brings them to the Lord, although they do. They get saved because somebody like you or me takes it upon ourselves to go fishing in their pond 
with the main of the gospel and brings him to Jesus. You and I have been called to be fishers of men. Now, I will not be honest with you. I'm not a fisherman. Okay. That ain't my thing. Doesn't get me excited. I'm not a fisherman. And I'm under pressure. You might see some sweat on my forehead. Because we do have some fishermen in the congregation. Some mighty good amateur ones. And we got a few that were professional fishermen. In fact, we got two that made a living doing that at one time. Brother Dave and Miss Mary that's not here, but she'll listen to this message later. And I, I'm kind of nervous because I'm trying to tell the fishermen how to get fish, and I'm not a fisherman. But I'm going to give them my best, so give me some slack, baby. Miss Mary, wherever you're at, be kind to me. Some things about being a fisherman. And I hope you and I can apply to be fishers of men. Okay. First one. You're going to like this one. I spent a lot of time thinking this one out. <laughs> Good fishermen go where the fish are located. <laughs> I'm kind of proud of myself. That that's a question, isn't it? You said, Pastor, that, that, that's, that's a, a light went off, isn't it? Something went off. Good fishermen go where fish are located. You can't catch fish in a dry hole. You can't catch fish in an empty pond. You can't catch fish in a toxic, polluted pool of water. Why? Because they're not done there. If you're going to catch fish, you've got to have fish to catch. Doesn't that make sense? That's why the Bible says those of us that are going to go fishing, we go fishing. We go to where the fish are. We just don't stand in front of an empty pond and say, bring the fish. We go to a pond that has fish in it. And then we cast the line of the gospel. We use the net of the gospel. Try to bring these fish, these precious men and women and teenagers and boys and girls to Jesus Christ. You know, one of the fallacies in the church is if we just turn the lights on outside and open the doors, they'll come in. No, they won't. And never before have they won't as right now. Years ago, you could invite people, and most of the time they would come with nothing else than just to be polite. That's not true today. Unsaved people don't come to church anymore. They're not interested in church. They're not interested in concerts. They're not interested in revival. They're not interested in suppers. They're not interested in church events. And quite frankly, when we were lost without Jesus, we weren't either. When I was without the Lord, that stuff didn't mean nothing to me. And it didn't mean nothing to you, although you may have came occasionally. Unsaved people aren't going to come to us. We have to go. We have to 
if we wait for them to come to us, the pond is going to be a dry hole. It's going to be empty. If we just do all of our fishing in here, we're never going to catch nothing. Or very little. Fishing's out there. Fishing is in the workplace. It's in the neighborhoods. It's in the playgrounds. It's in the schoolyards. It's in the social events. It's in the sporting events that go on all around us. That's where the fish go. And that's where you need to go. It's not coincidental, it's not accidental that the two first letters in the word gospel are what? G-O. If you're going to share the gospel with somebody, you got to go to them. If you're going to catch a fish, you got to go to where the fish are. That's why many churches are dying today. And they're extinct today. Because years ago, all they had to do was open the doors and people would pile in. And now they open the doors and nobody would come. Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't practice fishing, soul winning, evangelism, and missions, there'll come a day when there won't be anybody here. Last time I looked, I don't see anybody getting any younger. Anybody get younger? <laughs> I thought not. I wasn't. So, tip number one to fishermen, we've got to go where the fish are located. Secondly, we've got to understand how fish behave. We've got to have the mind of the fish every now and then. Okay? got to understand the fish. People who are professional fishers, they study the fish that they're going to catch. They know their, their idiosyncrasies. They know their peculiarities. They know all about how the fish think and what they're going to do at any given time and place. I don't know about you, but I like to watch old TV. Old TV being black and white, pre-1963. I like the old Andy Griffin show. Y'all remember that? Well, on one particular show, Aunt Bee wanted to make an impression on Hope. She wanted to get to know the little fella a little bit better. So she told Andy, we don't, I don't want you to go with us. Opie and I are going fishing. And Andy said, but Aunt Bee, you don't know nothing about fishing. She said, I can make him out. So Aunt Bee and Opie went fishing. Now, Aunt B said her finger was bothering her, so Opie put the bait on the hook for her. He didn't want to touch it, he also. And so they're now fishing. Opie has his bait on his hook, and bait and hook are under the water. And B has her bait and hook on her pole. But her bait and hook are two feet out of the water. And Opie's looking at her very strangely the whole time. And you don't say anything. When they get back home after the fishing trip, Opie calls to Andy and he says, Dad, I don't think Andy knows what she's doing. She had her hook in her bait two feet out of the water. Now Andy wanted to cover for Aunt Bee. 
So he said, son, let me tell you kind of what was happening here. You were trying to catch bass. Bass are under the water. That's why you had your hooking bait under the water. And he was trying to catch a flying fish. And that's why she had her bait hook out of the water. No, he said, wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, listen, if we're going to catch fish, we kind of need to know what we're doing. You can't fake it all the time. you got to know. So what do we need to know about these fish we're trying to catch? Remember, the fish are unsafe. Well, it would be helpful to know that all people, have some things in common. In fact, Dr. Billy Graham said there's five things that he has found in his travels of the world that all people have in common. Now remember, he, he spanned the globe. He was on all the different continents. He spoke to people of all color, all class, all culture, all countenance, all checkbooks, all circumstances. I don't believe any other man in the history of our world has preached the gospel to as many people as Dr. Billy Graham. And Dr. Graham said, no matter where you go, if you will understand that all people without Jesus have these things that they struggle with, you'll always be able to have a report. You'll always have something that will cause them to listen to what you've got to say. You know what those five things were, fishermen? As we're looking into the ponds and wondering how we're going to catch these particular fish, he said the first thing that all fish, all men have in common that are unsaved is that they struggle with guilt. They said things in the past, they've done things in the past that they cannot forget. They cannot find forgiveness from. And these ghosts from guilt that come from the past haunt them continually. Some of you here today, without Jesus Christ, you struggle. You wish you could take back something you said. You wish you would you could cancel out something you've done. You wish you could find forgiveness, and you can't find it. And like Edgar Allan Poe in his short story, The Telltale Heart, everywhere you go, you hear the guilt. <coughs> It never goes away. People without Jesus, they have to do. Some, much. Also, people without Jesus have emptiness. You see, God, when he created us, created us with a place in our being that only he can build. He didn't give that space to plants. He didn't give that place to animals. He gave it only to you and God because we're the only ones who have the capacity to know Him. And when He created us, He gave us a spot in our, in our soul that only He can fill. We try to fill it with everything under the sun, but the sun gets the wind. And we get frustrated, we get aggravated. Because all the toys of this world, all the things of this world, all the wine, women, and songs of this world cannot fill this spot. It's God's round 
Ernest Hemingway, one of Time Magazine's 50 all-time people of the 20th century. The top 50, he made that list of a 100-year period. Ernest Hemingway, one of the great minds of our generation, one of the great adventurers, took his head off his shoulders with a shotgun, ladies and gentlemen, because he said, I'm so empty. I've got everything, but I've got nothing. We live in a world of emptiness, and some of you without Jesus right now, you're empty. Keep trying to force something into the hole that you're inside yourself. And then there's loneliness. The people of our world are lonely. Some of you are lonely. We say, Pastor, I'm not lonely. I've got people all around me. You can be surrounded by thousands of people and be lonely. I didn't say alone, I said lonely. The theme song of this world is the song Hank Williams made a hit. I'm so lonesome, let me out. And he was. I drank himself. Fear. People of our world are afraid to live and they're afraid to die. What a quandary to be in. Psychologists and psychiatrists tell us that there's more phobias today, which is a fancy word for fear, than the enemies of the world. We're the most fearful people the world has ever seen. We're afraid. Insecurity. People of our world are insecure. They build their sandcastles, never expecting the tide to come in and take them out. They do. Things that we thought were so certain 30 and 40 years ago are now gone. They're not coming back. There's nothing fixed, there's nothing firm, there's nothing final in this world we live in. Everything is in upheaval. Everything is falling down, falling apart, and falling away. See, that's what fish of this world are struggling And we, if we're fishermen who are smart, will give them something that's attractive to them in this that they're struggling So, Pastor, what would that be? Well, who would that be? His name is Jesus. To the guilty, we give Jesus. He forgives sin. To the empty, we give Jesus because he fills with life the hole that is in. To the lonely, we give Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. To the fearful, we give Jesus who tells us to fear not, put our faith in him. World is being blown away. We give Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He skips. Jesus. So when we go fishing, ladies and gentlemen, there's one bait. And that bait is Jesus. No matter what the fish's issue is, dangle Jesus. You'll meet the fish's 
perfect. Go where the fish located. Understand how fish behave. Third, use a variety of methods to catch them. Good fishermen are flexible fishermen. They're not necessarily bought into one system. They're able to adjust as they need to adjust to catch what they want to catch. Good fishermen can fish from the dock or the bank. Good fishermen can fish from the boat. Good fishermen can fish with artificial bait. Good fishermen can fish with live bait. Good fishermen can use a rod and reel. Good fishermen can use a pole. Good fishermen can use his hand, glove. Good fishermen can use net. Good fishermen can use detection devices. Good fishermen can use his own instincts. Good fishermen use a lot of different methods to catch the big You use what's comfortable with All methods of catching fish are effective if you do them. All methods of catching fish are ineffective if you don't do So if you're going to catch fish, you have to use the methods that you feel comfortable with that fit who you are. Al's wife Mary was a fisherman. She's a professional. I'm sure she had her way of catching fish. But today, he's a fisherman. I'm sure he had his way of catching fish. They used what was comfortable for them, what fit their personality, what fit their modus operandi. We're always trying to tell somebody how you have to do it. I've been a Southern Baptist now almost 40 years. I can't tell you how many different soul winning programs have come down through the pipe and none of them work because they're all based on trying to do something that somebody else wants you to do. Color bracelets, you remember those? Rubik's cubes, flashcards, DVD presentations. When you bring somebody over, Show them a DVD, give them a hamburger and a hot dog. Diagnostic questions. Ask these questions and you'll get them. Soccer balls. Here's a soccer ball. Use the soccer ball. Listen. We need to vary our methods, but our methods have to be something that we're comfortable with and we won't do it. We talked about Peter. Peter was called to be a fisherman. You know what Peter's method was? His approach to winning people to Jesus was? It was confrontation. That's who he was. He wasn't polite. He wasn't mannered. He wasn't yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. He was get up in your face and let you have it. He was a confrontational witness for our Lord. Did that work on everybody? No. But it worked on some, and Peter brought people to Jesus that the others couldn't bring because that's the way he was. Paul was an intellectual. His approach to bringing people to Jesus was scholarly, it was scriptural. He could, he could pin your ears 
fact, the theology, the doctrine. He knew the Old Testament. He knew the New Testament. If you want to play, play intellectual games with Paul, you're in trouble. He used his intellect to speak to elite people, educated people, who laughed at folks like you and I. He could handle their big words and give them even bigger words. So Peter was confrontational. That was his approach. He was a fisherman then. Paul was intellectual. What about the blind man? Remember the blind man? You don't think the Bible's funny. Read the story of the blind man all before the religious leaders. And they're, they're examining him. All of the examination. They wanted to know how he used to be blind and how he could see. And it's common. The blind man says in effect to them, why are you asking me these questions? You're the big witch. All I know is I was blind and now I see. That's the story. And see, that's that's a way of sharing our faith with people. Just tell them what you used to be and we'll shine around. Everyone has a story to say. The blind man's story was testimony. He used his testimony to share his faith. Paul was an intellectual. He used his intellect to share his faith. Peter was confrontational. He was raw. He was rough. But he used that style to share his faith. The Samaritan woman used her style. You know what her style was? Follow me. She went back to her hometown and said, let me tell you what happened to me at the well. Come follow me. She brought the whole town, a million of that, to Jesus. In fact, that was the same approach that Andrew, Peter's brother, used. Every time you see him in the Bible, he said, I don't know what to take him. What about Matthew? He used the invitation approach. He was a socialite. He liked to be with people. He had parties. He had events. Every time he had a party or event, he invited the unsaved people to come. He invited Jesus. And Jesus would share at these events. Dorcas, she loved people. Never met somebody who just loses a lot of focus in the world. And she loves people so much she wanted to help people. And she did. And she used that love. She used that help. Share faith. Sometimes people don't know how much we don't care how much we know, but they know how much we care. So all of these are examples of men and women who understood they were called to be digital men, but they had to be themselves. You're not Jim Palmer, and I'm not you. And if you try to say, well, I'm going to do what the pastor does, you're not going to be successful. If I try to do what you do, I'm not going to be successful. But if we'll use our God-given talents and gifts, the education and experiences that we have, the personality he's given us, we can get some fish. You don't have to get the whole pond, just get the pond. Fourthly, we're going to be good fishermen. You've got to expect to catch a fish. I don't know how many people go fishing just to do it and don't want to catch it. 
She's like to me if you're going to go deer hunting, you're going to shoot deer. You're going to go fishing, you're going to catch a fish. Going to the football game, you're going to watch the football game. And that's just common sense. I just spend a lot of time on that. <laughs> People who fish, they all have confidence. Have you ever seen a fisherman get up in the morning and throw up in the boat? They're just so happy. They're excited because they're going with the expectation they're going to come back with a bunch of fish. Now, they may not come back but they have the confidence, they have the faith, they have the expectation, they have the optimism that they're going to make a catch. We've got to believe that God can use us to make a catch. You see, some of us don't believe that. That's why we don't do it. We're defeated before we ever play the game. Up here means a lot when you're going to catch it. You've got to believe that God can use you, yes, you, to be a fisherman. That God can use your personality, your techniques, your skills to catch a fish. You've got to believe that, and once you believe that, then you say, Lord, here am I. Take my mind, take my mouth, take my manners, take my talents, take my gifts, my education, my experiences. Take all that I am, all that I have, all that I've ever done. Bring your spirit into me. Energize me. Give me the power to do what you tell me. And amazing things happen. It's not by our might. It's by his power that things are done. But we got to expect. Many of us are woe as me before we ever leave. We've got to have confidence God in you. And then lastly, good fishermen are patient. I know we don't like that one. Patient. Because they understand that sometimes you're just going to have to bend it. Too cold, too hot. Predators fish in the area. Waters are unstable. Fish is not hungry. You don't have the right thing. You got worms and they won't have a good thing. You got fried chicken, they won't play it off. So I mean, sometimes you just gotta be patient and understand. I'm not gonna catch anything today. I understand that, but I made the effort. I'll come back next time. In time, if you don't give up, you will catch it. Fishing for men requires patience. Being there, loving people, being kind to people, talking with people, making yourselves available to Until that crisis comes into their life. That crisis caused by guilt, by emptiness, by loneliness, by fear, by insecurity, by hopelessness. You hang around for long enough, they're going to face something. And then they're going to come and open a door. Our door will be open for you to go through and share with them your faith. Fishers, 
in closing, what would happen here this morning? If all of us took it seriously. Yes. Come after you, Lord, and become a fisher of him. Yes, sir. Thank you. 